Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to One Up, delivered through the AI podcast channel. I'm your host as ever, Guy Drinkle, and as ever is my wingman, Carl. How are you doing, Carl? I'm doing well, Guy. Yourself? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's the weather's starting to turn, but I'm sure it's worse in Ireland for you. How 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 is, how is the storm? Um, it, it's actually not too bad. Um, I mean, though I'm on the east coast, so you know oh, the the man. hills and mountains seem to break it up a little bit. Um, I'm sure my kind of mates on the west coast are all drowned by now. But <laughs> what can you do about it? Ah, that's their fault for living there. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but um, we said on the last pod that the the next one would probably be the Red Dead Redemption preview but unfortunately that's not going to be the case because that will be the actual next show so we thought we might as well bring another one in between try and get this back to a, a weekly show um so in this podcast carl we, we're going to go through the the news and then discuss a, a couple games that we've been playing recently we we're probably doing that a bit lightly because there are some proper big titles in there but we'll come to that but we'll start off with the news and do you want to start off with some sony news for us Yes, so uh, the first one, and, and this is long-awaited news for, for many people, um, the PSN Online ID change feature entering PlayStation Preview program soon, and this comes from the PlayStation blog uh, written by Sid Schumann. Um, and I'm going to go through this because it, it, there's a lot of, it's quite a complicated thing here. And I'm sure this, this isn't going to be as straightforward as people might have expected. Um, we're happy to announce that we will soon begin testing the long awaited feature that will allow users to change their PlayStation Network online ID from their PlayStation 4 system. The PSN online ID change feature beta will be a part of the PlayStation preview program and will become available to select users that have pre-registered as testers for pre previous PS4 system software betas. During the preview program, you will be able to change your online ID uh, your online ID as many times as you want. The first change is free and the changes after that will cost $9.99 US dollars for PlayStation Plus members and $4.99 US dollars after the first change. 
Changes to online ID. Actually, my apologies. Correction there. Changes after that will cost $9.99 US dollars. For PlayStation Plus members, it's $4.99 US dollars after the first change. Wouldn't have made sense to, to charge PlayStation Plus members more. <laughs> um, changes to online ID can be made through the settings menu or via the profile page of your PS4. When you change your online ID, you will have the option to display your previous ID with your new ID so that your friends can recognize you. Once you decide to display your old ID or not, you won't be able to adjust this after completing the online ID change process. Seems pretty straightforward by this point, and you're probably thinking, great, that's what we wanted. This is where it gets weird. This feature is compatible with PS4 games originally published after April 1st, 2018, and a large majority of the most played PS4 games that were released before this date. However, please note all games and applications for PS4, PS3, and PS Vita systems are guaranteed to support, so not all games, the online ID change, and users may occasionally encounter issues or errors in certain games. If for any reason you experience issues after changing ID, you can revert back to your original ID for free at any time. You will only be able to revert once during the preview program. Reverting back to an old ID will resolve most issues caused by the ID change. In addition, when this feature officially launches, a list of compatible games published before April 1st, 2018 will be provided on PlayStation.com for reference before you make a change. And you can read that in full over on the PlayStation blog. Um, now, when I first, I don't know about you guys, but when I first heard that on another podcast, my first thought, like the way I picked it up was, oh yeah, you know, your name will display as your old name on certain yeah. games. But on second, when I actually read the blog for myself, you know, I'm thinking it'll cause issues. Does that, does that mean like if we have, if you change your name and you go and play some old game that you personally enjoy, it might be like a cult classic or something that the game won't work properly and you'll have to change your name back. You know, it, it just, it seems kind of broken. It, it sounds horrendous for someone who's been able to do this on Xbox for near probably a decade now. I don't get how it's that complicated to change your name. <laughs> I just I don't get it. I'm I mean I, I I listen to a lot of PlayStation podcasts and this has been a, a topic that's popped up a lot. I, mm. I gather the the basically to, to put it simply that the problem is that you know whereas Xbox assign you you know, a random set of integers and then you can have a screen name mm. assigned to those integers which you can change at any point. PlayStation basically way back when when they didn't care too much about the online kind of system basically assigned your account to your name. So it's uh, very okay. difficult. That That's why it's taken them this long and, and why obviously it's, uh, I gather it's a case of changing kind of code for every mm. game to, to get it to work which which this seems to be their workaround but you know i i suppose for for most people who who you know just play their call of duties and their fifas they're, they're probably never going to run into any issues if they change their name but again some people who might might play some older niche games you know might might find a name change just doesn't work that it just so oh that to be fair, if, you, if you've done that from the start, I mean, if, if it's took this long for a big company like Sony to, to not be able to fix it, I mean, probably the only thing they could do is scrap it and start again, but that would cause so much bother for millions and millions of people, wouldn't it? 
all the, all the lost trophies and yeah. The only thing uh, they could probably do is if they give you a new account, but they'd be able to import your old stuff into a new account. But even that sounds overcomplicated, hellish crap. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's it. Like, I mean, uh, like that was Sony's uh, attitude way back when, when people asked about mm. name changes, was just, oh, why can't you just set up a, a new um, account? But uh, kind of since then now, when uh, accounts have trophies and cloud saves and, and all this stuff, you know, your, your account's more than just a name. I mean, I, I, for one, am glad that by the time I got around to setting up my PSN, I'd already went through about 10 names on Xbox. So I'd, I'd settled <laughs> on my kind of perma name. You know, it's, it's nice and simple and, you know, uh, I have it on every platform now. So, um, but yeah, like it, I'm sure some people will be relieved, you know, but people who have like ball buster. 2kk10 or whatever you know yeah. they're going to be happy to be able to change that name they made when they were 12 years of age but um it just just seems like you know there, there are some limitations to, to the system and it's probably gonna well it's definitely going to encounter some hiccups yeah. you know and i think sony are even they're being quite open about that to be fair to them yeah. to, to be fair we We'll we'll talk about this in the next couple of news things, but obviously with next gen, this is this is going to be a good segue. This is going to be pro, but with with next gen coming up, maybe sooner than we thought, um, it, it might not be that much of a problem for the majority of gamers. Because if 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 it's just from now on that it'll be fine. If you get a, if you do your new <coughs> new uh, new gamer tag or PSN name or whatever PlayStation call it. Um, then the next gen comes out, you're not going to uh, have that problem, are you? So that might be a thing to do is offer a new account when the new console comes out or something like that. Just say, now now be the best time to change your, your name on, on PlayStation now with the new console. That'd probably be the best way to sell it, by the way, by the sounds of that new story to me. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a good point. I mean, it, it is, uh, I think they've, they've definitely have next gen in, in mind with, with these kind of moves they're, they're, uh, making. And, you know, like, uh, as I said, to be fair to Sony, they're being open about it and, yeah. you know, even the problems and like they, at least they're doing something, you know, because this is a feature people have demanded for so long. And there's some nice kind of little, things that Sony have done there, like the discount if you have PlayStation Plus and, mm. and similarly, like I, I don't think that's the case on Xbox Live Gold, you know, so that, no. that's nice. And, Offering you know, it as well. As well. That, that, that's good. Yeah, let you, you have the first one for free, yeah. So, I mean, there, there's some nice little touches there, so, you know, I, I suppose you can't really, kind of, Sony can't do anything about some coding they did, you know, 10 over 10 years ago on the PlayStation 3 PSN like so they they can only do what they can do and they're obviously trying to do it so I suppose you can only credit them for that for finally getting this feature out there <laughs> it's weird how big a story something so small is uh, isn't it because uh, that it, it has been the best part of a decade uh, PlayStation fantastic for this isn't it um but how about we go on to the next and bigger news story then, Carl? Because this is where the next couple just, it, it really gets the game of fans excited, wasn't it? Yeah, very much so. So next up, speaking of PlayStation, Sony confirms it's working on the next PlayStation console. Shock, horror. Um, this comes from Polygon and Samet Sakara writes, 
With the fifth anniversary of the PlayStation 4's debut approaching, Sony has confirmed that it is developing a successor to the console. Quote, at this point, what I can say is it's necessary to have a next generation hardware, end quote, said Kenichiro Yoshida, Sony's president and CEO, in an interview with the Financial Times. Yoshida did not name the console, so there's no information yet on whether it will officially be called the PlayStation 5. Let's go back to the PlayStation 1 like Xbox did. <laughs> possibly, you never know <laughs> with these new naming uh, schemes. But uh, there's also no word on a release window. Although John Kodira, the CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment, that's the official name of the company's gaming division, suggested in May that the next PlayStation is at least three years away. I actually remember we had that as a story mm. at the time. Uh, we will use the next three years to prepare the next step, to crouch down so that we can jump higher in the future, said Kodira. Sony plans to employ that strategy through the 2020 fiscal year, which ends in the spring of 2021, so the PS5 may not come until after that point. Citing people in game publishing who are familiar with Sony's PS5 plans, the Financial Times reports that the console might not represent a major departure from the PS4 and that the fundamental architecture would be similar. This sounds likely since both Sony and Microsoft have extended the current console generation by releasing more powerful 4K capable hardware, the PlayStation 4 Pro and Xbox One X respectively, that is fully compatible with existing games. And you can get the, the full story on that over on Polygon. Um, yeah, I mean, as I said, shock horror there, tongue-in-cheek at the start. It, it's not really a surprise that, that there's a PlayStation 5, nor is it really a surprise that, you know, it's it's going to be similar uh, to, to the PS5 because or the PS4, because, you know, it's it's clear Sony learned from the PS3 that rather than having this this impossible system to work with, it, it's so much easier just to kind of go with, with PC architecture, really. So um, no surprises there at all. Um, what, what do you think, Guy? Yeah, I think everyone secretly knows that people that that. Uh, well, even before it was obviously leaked that uh, other news story that we'll get to that Xbox Scarlet and PS5 have been worked on. I think everyone knew, probably since even since the early days of this gen, they've obviously been thinking ahead to PS5 and Xbox. I'm going to call it Xbox Two because why not? <laughs> um, it, these companies, Microsoft and Sony, obviously two of the biggest in the world. They're always going to be thinking. Steps ahead, and they're they're not just competing with each other; they're competing with other other entertainment, aren't they? They're, they're, they've got to compete with with books, films, just general general life, even music to a certain degree. They they've got to stand out from it from a crowd um, and and get people in in different way in different ways. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's no surprise that Sony have confirmed they're working on the PS5 because. They just simply have to. But the interesting thing there is that they said it's not going to be too dis- dissimilar from the PS4 and it may not kill off the PS4 as quickly as, as they want. But you're, you're the PlayStation fan and that that's hinting at a, 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 what was it, a 2021 or 2022 release? Yeah, well, well, that was based on uh, John Codera's yeah. um, comments back in May. Um, now, a lot of people kind of, a lot of, I remember we discussed it at a time. A lot of kind of industry insiders seem to kind of jump on that and say 
they 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 expected a bit sooner because mm. certainly Xbox aren't gonna wait around till 2021 being in in second place. So, um, and I mean, like, let's not get a we, you know. A, of course, Sony are going to be working on a new console, but I'm sure if Sony had the choice, they'd rather just stay with the PS4. But the the reality is, Xbox aren't going to, so Sony have to to uh, match them or, or or risk falling behind yeah. this time. So, I mean, it, it's inevitable that that both consoles are are coming, and and probably sooner than later. Which um, segue could it be <laughs> rather soon could, could we be talking about new consoles in roughly 12 months time uh because our, our next story um infinity ward hiring for next gen title hints at 2019 ps5 and xbox scarlet release date and this comes from vgr and cody perez writes infinity ward just posted a new job listing for a next gen title the unannounced next generation title is most likely the Call of Duty 2019 game. This in turn hints towards a 2019 release date for the PS5 and or Xbox Scarlet. The job posting was released on LinkedIn a, few, a week ago. The job is for a temporary associated associate game designer. Infinity Ward has hired temporary staff members in the past. This typically happens in the final year of development on the next COD game. In addition, we know that the next studio up to release a game after Black Ops 4 is the Infinity Warfare studio. Because of all that information, it's no surprise at all that it is hiring for the 2019 COD game. However, what is surprising, though, is that Infinity Ward openly admits that the title it is hiring for is a next-generation title. You can read the entire quote for yourself below. This is what the job posting on LinkedIn says. Come work with the game industry's brightest on an exciting, unannounced next-gen title. In this hands-on role, you'll collaborate with experienced designers on creating and implementing new game features. This statement, plus what we know about the typical Call of Duty development cycles, hints that the 2019 Call of Duty game is a next-generation title. However, that isn't all we can glean from this info. In fact, with this, we can predict that at least one of the next-generation consoles would release in 2019. And you can read that in full over on VGOR.com. Um, so I'm going to just put you on the spot, Guy. Are we going to be playing a next-gen console in 2019? It still sounds too soon. <laughs> it's just, even with this, it's just, I still think it might, I still think it'll be 2020, because I think, it, it may just be slight OCD, but I think they'd quite like to round it up to 2020, to start like a, a new decade with a new era of gaming. So may, maybe they're actually giving COD some time to develop a, a good game. <laughs> that that would be my only hope, but I doubt that's the plan. So maybe, maybe they're just trying to get in ahead because I think it was COD Ghosts, which was 360 and Xbox One, if I remember correctly. And it I think was, that, yeah. that was both, that was both, uh, 360 and One and PS3 and PS4. So maybe, the, maybe they're just trying to get, uh, whatever, Modern Warfare, let's just call it Modern Warfare 4. <laughs> um, Modern Warfare 4, let's say if they're doing that, and maybe they're just trying to make it so they've got, they're, they make sure Infinity Ward have got their um, their most recent game on next gen, and then they can release the next one on next gen straight away. Because then it'd be oh my god, I can't remember who does Black Ops nowadays. Um, 
Treyarch. Is it still Treyarch? Well, uh, what, now, yeah, now? but uh, <laughs> Treyarch obviously have, have done this year's. They, they've now obviously got the three-year cycle gone, so you have um, Hammer. Are they called? What are they Is called again? Hammer. Hammer. Oh, we're going to have to Google. I, I feel it's on the tip of my tongue here. Hammer. You know, they made – they went – I think they did the one with uh, Kevin Spacey in it. Um, second there. Call of Duty. I'll put some elevator music on this bit. <laughs> yeah, no, so, but, um, filling time here. Yeah, no, uh, Sledgehammer Games. Sledgehammer, yeah, Sledgehammer cool. Games. And yeah, so we they, got, they we beat 2020. <laughs> we did, we were close. Um, yeah, so I think their one would be due in 2020. But, you know, I, I'd completely echo what you, you've said, Guy. And I, you know, to me, it surprises me why people are, are being quite presumptive when it comes to to this story because i mean yeah most likely infinity war uh, ward will be making the next call of duty based on the cycle but let's look at what the current call of duty the the one that just came out today technically um, Mm and black ops 4 all right it's multiplayer only it's battle royale okay it's it's a game as a service you may be paying 60 quid for 60 euro or or 50 pound comparing uh, depending but it is a game as a service. Why can why isn't it a possibility that Call of Duty might be reverting to a biannual series if the direction they're going to be taking is this kind of making it a game as a service rather than you know kind of just your campaign and, and multiplayer like that uh, like when I, I thought that even before we had this story so like but. You know, so my opinion on that hasn't changed. Like, I don't think we'll be getting this, this next gen Call of Duty or, or the next Call of Duty in general until 2020 anyway. So that makes sense to me that they, they give it a two year cycle and then maybe the new consoles or at least one of the new consoles will launch in 2020 and yeah. we'll get the, the new Call of Duty with it. Um, that makes more sense to me. Now I could be wrong and we could be getting Xbox <laughs> Ireland in 2019, but, for now, I'm I'm going to be a bit bit kind of reserved the, and say no, it's too too early. The thing that puts me off, Carl, is the fact that Xbox are obviously getting all these first parties in, and they obviously announced some at E3. Like we're not sure how long they've been developing games and stuff like that, but Xbox aren't going to want to screw up this in launch because they screwed up the Xbox One launch and have been fighting an uphill battle with PlayStation since. And since Phil Spencer's came in, Xbox has done, done some great rebuilding work. But I imagine he's going to want to maximise, or not maximise, but at least give the new developers a chance to get something ready for launch to a certain degree. And obviously we've got Halo Infinite, which we're not sure how long that's been worked on, Unfall, but they're going to want more than that just as an exclusive. So they're going to want to see what um, under, uh, Playground does, uh, Undead Labs, uh, Ninja Theory. They're going to want something alongside Halo, and if they've only had this partnership for, what, a year at the max, if they announced at E3? So if, they, if, if they're going to want at least a couple of years to make a game and then a year to polish it off, or whatever the official cycle is, but it, it, it just seems too too soon for Xbox, and PlayStation, they're obviously comfortable in this gen because they're winning it comfortably, so I'm, I don't think it needs to be rushed until Xbox are ready for next gen, and I imagine they're going to want to have a flawless launch, but like unlike Xbox One. No, I, I'd agree. I'd echo exactly what, what you're saying there. I mean, I think 
the next Xbox has to launch with at least two kind of hard hitting exclusives, and and even then you'd you'd probably want another one in, in the Gears, launch window as well. Gears of Wars next spring, so it can't be that. So it has to be something new. Yeah, so I just I think I do I think again I'm I'm just I 2020 just makes so 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 much more sense and and you know it could be for both but definitely 2020 I think is for Xbox I mean that that's uh I think it's it's a be good timing and the, and they can kind of all these sort of art this arsenal that they're amassing at the moment they they can kind of come in with a, a big um salvo you know on on day one and um, but i think if it if it's 2019 i think they'd just be scraping the barrel again and you know they they don't want to be doing that you know yeah. I, I don't even think if we were to say halo infinite was a launch title even for 2019 I, I don't think it'd be enough i think they need more than just one game so i mean i just i'm not buying this this 2019 kind of speculation at the moment now i if they prove me wrong, they prove me wrong. But for now, um, I, I'd be I'm quite worried. With... I'd be worried if it was 2019 as an Xbox fan. That's the thing. <laughs> well, that's it. It's not that long since people splashed out on an Xbox One X. I think exactly. a few people would probably feel burned if if 2019 they're they're being asked to to, to kind of splash out on an Xbox. XX or whatever it's gotta be called, you <laughs> Xbox know. Xbox 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If why not, you know, go from 1 to 20. 360 to 1 to 20, you know, why not? <laughs> but yeah, so I, I just, I, I'm gonna call kind of BS on, on that, mm. that uh, rumor for, for now. But, uh, it, I'm sure it, it's one that will, you know, if, We'll probably know sooner rather than later because next if, week Xbox Scarlet confirmed. <laughs> yeah, you never know. You never know. So um, yeah. So but uh, for, for now though, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with, with my prediction and and uh, I gather you you feel much the same. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, speaking of um, kind of company's plans for the next gen, uh, we have yet another one here with uh, Sony now. If I remember rightly, unless it's it's total deja vu here, we we discussed something similar to this on a on a previous episode. For for some reason, I'm I'm thinking Spyro, so I think it was the same week that the Spyro mm. trilogy was announced. So uh, yeah, yeah, no, but um, yeah. So uh, again, the the story here is uh, Sony P- Patent Sparks PlayStation Five backwards compatibility rumors again. And this comes from Eurogamer and Vicky Blake writes, a newly published patent has sparked rumors about future Sony consoles and backwards compatibility. As reported by Gear Nuke, the patent entitled Remastering by Emulation was published on the 2nd of October 2018 by Sony Interactive Entertainment America. However, if you look at the file date a few lines down, you'll see the application was initially made on the 22nd of November 2016. The full application, which certainly appears to be legitimate, is pretty overwhelming, but it essentially details the live remastering of textures from old games and replacing them on the fly with shiny new ones better suited to contemporary resolution displays. Each asset such as texture called by for by a legacy software such as a legacy computer game software has a unique identifier associated with it, the patent explains. 
The unique identifier can be rendered by imposing a hash on the asset and then the asset is stored with its identifier in a data structure. And Artist remasters the textures for presentation on a higher resolution display than envisioned in the original software and stores them back in the data structure with their identifiers. The original software is then played on the higher resolution display with assets such as texture, calls being intercepted, identified, and the data structure entered to retrieve the remastered asset having a matching identifier. The remastered asset is then inserted on the fly into the game presentation. There's also information about audio calls in the patent. While initially intriguing, a diagram accompanying the application suggests this is the same remastering system as applied to audio files, wherein the game calls for audio. And... Oh, sorry. Uh, while it certainly sounds like a system for emulating older games for current gen consoles, we need to take into account the timing of the application. Would Sony have been thinking about backwards compatibility for a next gen console back in 2016, or is this more likely the technology the PlayStation 4 currently uses to run PS1 and PS2 titles on PlayStation 4 running under emulation? And you can read the full story over on Eurogamer. Um, you know, the, it's interesting that, that uh, Vicky ends the story there with kind of pouring some cold water on and, and saying is it just um, the, the PS4 technology because I remember when we when we discussed this previously uh, people say it made the same kind of argument at the time and it did sound to me kind of like what the, the PlayStation 2 kind of up titles on the PS4 um, were doing however I remember at the time when it was being discussed on um, kind of funny um, a, a listener wrote in who was uh, in games development themselves and they kind of um, they argued against that argument saying that they know how it works and that they'd have a better idea in terms of the architecture. And mm. they said that to them, it sounds very much like this is a, pa- a patent with the PlayStation 5 in mind. And, you know, we could, you know, look, we, I mean, from the previous um, article already, that's already indicated that I- industry insiders think that the PlayStation 5 will play PlayStation 4 games. So we'd have that at the very least, but you know, you would think that Sony are going to have been looking at the Xbox One and the goodwill that that Microsoft have garnered. They might not have made much money from it, but the the goodwill alone from being able to play your Xbox and Xbox 360 games on on Xbox One, and they have to be thinking that. I mean, I know PlayStation 3 might be difficult because. Uh, let's be honest, that, that architecture is, is just like, I'm, I'm sure even the people who made that architecture don't know how it works. So uh, I'm not sure anyone else does. The Enigma machine. <laughs> exactly. But, but the, the idea that PS1, PS2 and PS4 titles might all play on PS5, you know, I, I don't think that's, that's too far fetched. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna stick with the, the assumption that this is for, for emulation on, on PS5. What do you think, Guy? Yeah, I think it makes sense. As, as we said in the previous news thing that people are looking to, towards the future now and if PS4 brought in backwards compatibility now for the P, if Sony brought out backwards compatibility now for the PS4, I mean, it's, what, What's the point? You're only gonna you're only gonna play for what a year, eighteen months, two years, or whenever the PS5 is gonna get announced. So if the PS5 comes at launch with PS4, and then they can announce um, PS1 and PS2, um, 
whether that's six months a year or whatever, if they just keep it in the back pocket for for something to announce. Fair dues. That, that I think that's the best way of doing it because Xbox did it with a decent amount of time left in this gen, and they've now used it as kind of like a, a kind of like a beta. So when when Xbox Two or whatever's coming out, um, they can just put it in straight away. I imagine they can put the Xbox One titles in there. They can use Game Pass more. Whereas if PS4 did it, it'd probably be in beta till. It, until it's needed on PS5, whereas if you just start it with PS5, people will understand how oh, it's a new service and stuff like that. <clears throat> so I think it's just a bit too late for this gen for PlayStation. But no, it's definitely good. I mean, I don't think, off the top of my head, there's not much on PS3 that hasn't been put on PS4 anyway, so there's probably not much of an issue in terms of missing out backwards compatibility. But is, is there any PS2, PS1 games you'd like to play on backwards compatibility? Um, I mean, if, if they could implement, you know, a kind of a similar system to what the Xbox has, where you, you can play the, put the disc in and it recognizes it and, and then you can, you can play the game. I mean, I, I'd love that. I mean, I, I, I still own over a hundred PS2 games. I, I know some of them are probably a bit niche, so I, I doubt they'd ever be added to, to such a service, but certainly it, it'd be cool. I mean, obviously we were only talking Spider-Man last week and it'd be cool to play some of the old Spider-Man games. Oh, and, you know, it, it'd be, it'd be great to kind of have that. Just, you know, it, it's one of those things, even if you don't ever use it, it's just kind of nice to know it's there if, if you get that. Yeah that itch and you just want to dig out an old game and, and play it so i mean i just liked it to see it there because just the, the more you can you can play the the better i mean at this point i'd I'd settle for them you know we never got the ps1 classics that we had on ps3 and and vita you know on on ps4 like so i'd settle just to be able to play my ps1 classics that i i bought at the time and never got around to playing some of them um on my well, at this stage, PS5, you know, so, um, but, but some kind of backwards compatibility would, would be nice, just, just as a, a little nod to kind of long-term PlayStation fans like if, myself. If you can play the old WWE games, I think that's worth it for me. <laughs> if you can play yeah. Here Comes the Pain and all that jazz, it, it, it's, it's sold for me. That'll do me. Absolutely. But, um, moving on to our last story on our little kind of, uh, Sony PlayStation 5 speculation trip here. Um, Gorilla Games enlists Rainbow Six Siege developers, and this comes from Twinfinite. Matthew Getchalian, sorry if I butchered that, <laughs> writes, Gorilla Games is secretly working on an unannounced project with the help of a few recently acquired alumni from the Rainbow Six Siege development team. As spotted by a user on Reset Era, two former developers of Rainbow Six Siege have joined Gorilla Games this 2018 to work on an unannounced game. Chris Lee, who helped with Siege's online and multiplayer design, is now employed as a principal game designer for Guerrilla Games. The Amsterdam-based studio also recruited Simon LaRouche, the game director of Siege, to work as a game director for The Secret Project. It's also worth noting that LaRouche previously worked as a senior designer for Killzone 2 and helped in creating the layout for its multiplayer maps. With Guerrilla Games recruiting two developers who worked on a multiplayer-focused game, it's easy to speculate that Guerrilla Games might be looking to incorporate online elements for its next project. 
Guerrilla Games previously spilled the beans that it originally intended to incorporate a two-player co-op for Horizon Zero Dawn, so it's possible that the two new talents were hired to make this a reality for the sequel. They could also be working on a new Killzone game, an online-centric PSVR title, or a Battle Royale game with mech dinosaurs. Who knows? And you can read the full story over on Twinfinite. My first thought was Killzone, and I'm sticking with that. I mean, I remember a story um, some time ago. I remember reading that I think um, Guerrilla Games had two or three titles in in development. Um, you know, one at the time was um, obviously Horizon, um, and obviously since then we've already had stories about Horizon Two. So I think that's a, a foregone conclusion with how good the first one done. But yeah. I, I think these particular hires, considering you know Rainbow Six was like a multiplayer focused shooter, I mean to me it makes sense to to be some sort of Killzone reboot, reboot, and and maybe in time for uh, um, the PS5's launch. Um, did what do you think, I? It Killzone's one of the, one of them games that um, it, it's always looked fancy on on the trailer and stuff like that. But I've, it's never well. Having said that, I never had a PS3. I've, I've obviously got access to a PS4 now. But it, it's one of them games that would probably never interest me because it kind of looked a bit generic. It, it I always thought it just looked like Gears of War. <laughs> That's what I always thought about it. But it, yeah, Gorillas obviously. <clears throat> I think it was their most famous um, IP before they made uh, Horizon, wasn't it? A Killzone. Um, but now they've obviously moved on to bigger and better, not bigger and better things, but different and probably more impressive things with, with Horizon. And if they're going to add multiplayer to that, I, I, as you said, adding people from Ubisoft who've worked on, on Rainbow Six, I'm not, I'm not sure how compatible that would be with Horizon and Zero Dawn, so... Yeah, Killzone's a, a fair assumption there. I mean, you've probably experienced it a bit more than me. Is is it something that would excite you for a PS5 launch? Uh, honestly, I mean, it 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 really depends. I mean, it with it, it's interesting with Gorilla. I mean, they were making just Killzone games for for so long, basically, and but they were never really a big deal until Horizon. It, it was Horizon that has escalated them to being kind of almost at the same table as as like a naughty dog and stuff when it comes to discussing Sony hype. Um, you know, so uh, some people might argue, you know, just, just let them work on Horizon, you know, sequels and leave Killzone behind because it's never been that big a deal. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, Killzone had its audience and, you know, of course, in, in the years of, of, um, kind of, well, Microsoft had Gears and Halo, people, PlayStation fans were trying to, to <laughs> cling to, to Killzone and, and claim it was somehow com- comparable, but honestly, it wasn't. Um, but with that in mind, obviously, you know, Microsoft haven't given up on Halo and, and Gears, even if they're, kind of popularity has waned a little bit and I'm sure they're going to be big games on the next gen and you know although Sony obviously has a lot of third party titles like Call of Duty and Battlefield and the like it's no surprise if they might not they might want to have their own kind of first party um first person shooter and and a Killzone reboot and especially one that you know, that's been done by Gorilla now that Gorilla actually have some, some kind of pedigree, you know, behind them. Like, okay, I don't mean to offend them. They, they've always had pedigree, but mm-hmm. I mean, some, like, they're, they're 
they're on a lot of people's radars that they weren't on before, you know. So I think a new Killzone game would probably get a lot more attention than, you know, the previous Killzone games would have. So it, it makes sense to me that, that they might have that in mind for next gen, um, a, a new Killzone. So it, it certainly makes sense. Do you, do you think the idea with Killzone, I'm not sure, was it a, a big PvP game before, or was it one of these single-player first-person shooters? What what would you describe it as? Um, I'll throw a couple theories at you. It, it was both, uh, I, I think. I mean, like, sim- similar to, to Halo, like, people enjoyed both. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I my first experience, well, my first experience with Killzone was the first Killzone. I just played a bit of the campaign, but um, Killzone Two was actually one of the first games I ever played online. Like a, a couple of my friends had their PlayStation Twos uh, set up with modems, and um, you'd play the likes of Time Splitters and Tony Hawk's online. But Killzone Two was um, a, a personal favorite of a, of a friend of mine, so I, I would have played a, a good bit of that. Um, and, and it was a, a decent online shooter. Um, not that we had too much to compare it to at the time. Um, so, I mean, I, I think, I think it's, it's hard to say whether, I, I suppose it comes down to, to personal preference. If, if you're just into single player yeah. campaigns, maybe it was single player to you, but to, to another person, it, it was certainly a, a multiplayer shooter. So. Mm. Well, I'll, I'll throw a couple of figures at you then. What what would you prefer? Obviously, you know a bit a bit more about the killing killing the zone uh, world than I do. Would you rather return to one of these epic Bethesda single player story first person shooter shooter games, or or would you rather return into Halo, where it's a bit of best of both worlds, but obviously the multiplayer is much famed. Probably not the last couple. Let's be fair, but. Uh, would you rather it turn into Halo 3 or would you rather turn it into Doom or, uh, or Wolfenstein? What, what would you like to see the future kill, killing zone? Um, cause on, um, I, I think, you know, it, it's, it, it's always tried to be a Halo clone and, and for me that's why it's always been in, in its shadow. I think it needs to, to do its own thing. I mean, if, if it could, you know, I think Doom's a, a good shout because look at how Doom so, somewhat reinvented itself. And I think Killzone could do with some reinvention because, I mean, trying to turn it into this single player open world experience probably isn't a good idea because obviously not only does Sony have a lot of games in that, that kind of genre, they, they, Oh, Gorilla themselves have Horizon, which is an open world game. So, mm. um, it, that might not be the best idea, but, but certainly some sort of reinvention is, is, um, required if they want to try and step out of being that Halo clone as, as some people probably like to pass it off as and, um, to try and be its, its own thing. So, and I'm sure that's what, what Sony have in mind with, uh, bringing on this, this new tag. If, if they are indeed, again, it's pure speculation on my part, but if they're indeed working on a kill zone and, and these hires would give me that impression, you know, that that might be the thinking there because, you know, to, to be fair to Rainbow Six Siege, it's, it's really kind of, kept its pace i mean that, that game's still popular now and it, it came out like years uh two three years ago now is it so um you know i, I think it's it's a good approach if, if that's what they have in mind and i, I think hopefully they're they they have kind of a new path in mind for the for the kill zone series 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, sounds good. I just spotted the time, Carl, so we're going to have to not make this a whole news podcast, so we might have, yeah. to, we might have to get through a couple of these quickly, but... Um, do you want to tell us about um, a bit more Microsoft news then? Yeah, so we've had a lot of Sony now, so now we go into some of Microsoft's plans for the now future. Microsoft gets 10 minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, Microsoft's new game streaming service, xCloud, announced, and this comes from GameSpot, and Steve Watts writes, numerous game companies believe that streaming technology is the future. Now Microsoft has announced its own program, Sorry, its own approach to streaming video games, Project X Cloud. The project aims to bring console quality games to PC consoles and smartphone devices, and it will be rolling out public trials starting in 2019. As detailed in the announcement, players will be able to use an Xbox One controller connected to supported devices. Smartphones can be used via Bluetooth, and a small attachment connects the controller to the phone for ease of use. If you don't have an Xbox One controller, touch controls are also available. The service uses Microsoft's Azure as a backbone to set up new data centers with customized hardware that uses the parts of multiple Xbox One consoles uh, and you can read the full story over on GameSpot and it goes through kind of how the, the service is going to work um, I mean yeah I mean we talked about on our next gen project we talked a lot about Google and their plans for streaming and actually that we, we don't have that story today as it was last week but obviously Google announced their beta for their streaming service and, and users right now are, are playing Assassin's Creed on that and I've read some impressions on it. Um, does, does this surprise you at all, at all, Guy, that Microsoft are going down the, the streaming service or, or is this really the, the future of gaming? Uh, no, it doesn't surprise me. I think um, we mentioned it on the next gen one that streaming is going to be a big part of it and I think it was mentioned um, when we did that show about Xbox and Microsoft um, offering a, a console version and actually just basically what would be an app and then you can just access your catalogue of games and I think this might be 
the the beginning of that, isn't it? And it, it doesn't surprise me, especially a big company like Microsoft who've got all, all this um, structure around uh, around Microsoft itself, and just using that for for gaming, it just adds it, it just adds another level to the infrastructure they have. And why why wouldn't you use it? Microsoft, one of the biggest and most powerful and most important companies in the world, and why not use what you've got got at your disposal? And if if what we hear with Xbox is every E three is Xbox play anywhere, <laughs> don't we? Every E three, um, and that's just adding to it more. Uh, Microsoft seem to be wanting to bridge that gap between Xbox, PC, and just make it make it a bit more Microsoft rather than Xbox. So. It doesn't surprise me that Microsoft are doing this, and if if you can get all the Microsoft catalog uh, and then stream it to your phone, to your tablet, to your PC, Xbox, whatever, it's it, it's just good. I think it's just accessibility for for fans, and that's always a good thing for me. Yeah, I mean, I I I, th- I think you've 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 really said it all there. I mean, it, it is just simply about giving giving fans more options, and you know, earlier I said that. Uh, you know, a, a kind of a new console launching too soon might irk some Xbox One X owners. But I heard a, an interesting suggestion on a, a podcast earlier where someone said it with this whole streaming thing, you know, technically a person with an Xbox One X, if they don't want to invest in a, a Scarlet console yet, they could probably get this service and, and stream mm. Scarlet games to their Xbox One X and then just play them on their Xbox One X. So, I mean, that, that's, it's certainly giving players more options. And, you know, we, we did, we talked about this whole streaming thing, um, on our next gen pod. And as we said at the time, there, there are some drawbacks there with kind of the infrastructure with the internet speeds and, uh, especially in America where people have like kind of service usage limits. Um, set on their their contracts so there's a lot of kinks to iron out but uh, i think definitely um in, in a couple of years you know this this might be the primary kind of form that gaming takes you know bit been a streaming rather than having dedicated systems and uh, but before too long um but you know as you said it's it's not really a surprise and it, it kind of it's very microsoft like it's it's very like the kind of move they'd make so um no surprise but it's a cool idea you know playing halo on your smartphone what's not not to like good god dad that'd be kind of horrendous and mint at the same time (laughs) (laughs) just sat on the bus just being an absolute knobhead (laughs) oh dear um but that's probably not as exciting as the next bit of news i mean it's not confirmed at the moment but microsoft closing in on another big um Game developer. Yeah, um, this comes over from Kotaku sources. Microsoft is close to buying Obsidian, and this was written by Jason Schreier. So you can probably say it is confirmed, even though it's not official yet. I mean, he's probably the biggest name in in video games journalism, um, and his sources, you know, they're 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 never they're never really wrong. Um, yeah, so Jason writes, uh, Microsoft is finalizing a deal to acquire the independent development studio Obsidian Entertainment, according to three people briefed on the negotiations. We don't know if Inc. is on paper yet, and plenty of major acquisition deals have fallen apart in the final hours, but those close to the companies believe it is all but done. One person with knowledge of the deal told Kotaku they'd heard it was 90% finished, said a second person, it's a matter of when, not if. 
Obsidian best known for its work on critically acclaimed role-playing games like Knights of the Old Republic 2 in 2004 and Fallout New Vegas in 2010 has been independent since it was founded in 2003. The Irvine, California-based studio has long been beloved by RPG fans but has often faced financial strains, nearly going out of business in 2012 before it signed a deal for an online tank game and launched a Kickstarter for the isometric throwback that would become Pillars of Eternity. One compelling argument for the sale is that being owned by a company with deep pockets will offer Obsidian stability and resources the likes of which it has never had before. We do not comment, sorry, quote, we do not comment on rumors or speculation, end quote, said a Microsoft spokesperson. And in what is probably one of the funnest kind of denial quotes (laughs) ever, quote, unfortunately, we don't comment on rumors or speculation. Other than to say that the Rumours album by Fleetwood Mac still holds up, end quote, said an Obsidian spokesperson. And you can read Jason's full story on Kotaka. Yeah, it's a a great album. Um, But yeah, I mean, what's not to like about this? I mean, it's a deal that makes sense, you know, like um, it did for for, um, the studios that were announced back back at E3. Um, You know, it makes sense for Obsidian. They, They get financial stability. They can work on games. Microsoft to me seems a good home because um Obsidian are kind of traditionally, especially even before they were Obsidian, um the, a lot of their staff previously were, were at Black Isle and they're always kind of a PC developer and of course Microsoft is all about that cross platform, having their, their titles on both PC and console. Mm. Um so I mean this this makes sense and you know while while um obviously uh Obsidian have often kind of worked on sequels like New Vegas and Old Republic 2, putting kind of their, uh, their own twist on things. Um, you know, that they have had some independent kind of original projects like, like Pillars of Eternity. And it'd be great to see what they could do with like a, a mega books kind of RPG original IP of their own, like with Microsoft back in them. Like I'd love to see what they, they could do. Um, what do you think, Guy? How do Obsidian fit in at this new um, kind of stable that that uh, Microsoft are building? I, I think <clears throat> I think very well they fit in um, because if you look at the the other developers that they announced at E3, the the kind of new and small, not small, but the new and looking for that jump, aren't they? Where with Obsidian, obviously they've had financial troubles in the past, but they're probably a bit more experienced and had. And had um, they've had ta- they've had times where they've, they've had these big franchises, as you said, Fallout New Vegas. I'm sure that's many people's favourite Fallout game, and it's it's one of Bethesda's staples. Um, uh, oh God, what's the word I'm looking for? It's one of their staple um, games, IPs. Um, and for Obsidian to put their own, their own twist on it and almost improve Fallout, that that that's hell, that's hell impressive. Um, Knights of the Old Republic, and I, I think one's probably a bit more popular, but I mean Bioware obviously mint. <laughs> uh, but Knights of the Old Republic two is not not bad by any stretch. So if they now have the the as, as I mentioned with the last one, if they have the infrastructure, the money, and the backing of Microsoft, it'll be interesting to see what they can do. I mean. The only IP I could think that they'd fit into that Xbox currently have is Fable, but obviously Playground Games are rumoured to be working with that, so that's probably not out of the out of the question. So it'll be interesting to see what um, Obsidian could do. Maybe they're making new IP. Maybe there's something that I'm not thinking of that they can that they can do. But 
I'd I'd really love to I'd really love to see Obsidian just just go wild and make some new new RPG for Xbox because that that's what that's what's lacking. I mean, we we don't we're gonna come on to it, but Xbox doesn't have a God of War, it doesn't have a Last of Us, it doesn't have any of that stuff, and Obsidian's probably one of the perfect now at the moment independent companies to to make such games. Yeah, no, most definitely. I mean, um, my personal hope would be kind of with with New Vegas in in mind would uh, be for kind of a, a first person open world RPG kind of in the the Elder yeah. Scrolls. Uh, follow kind of mold i think that that's what i'd like to see from obsidian but to be honest like like they're one of my kind of you know i wouldn't quite say my favorite developers but they're definitely a developer that um like i I can't think of a bad game they've made you know they're they're all good rpgs and and they're kind of diverse you know uh, knights of the old republic uh fallout new vegas south park stick of truth you know they're all different. They're all RPGs, but they're all different RPGs. So, I mean, they're they're just a really talented studio, and and Microsoft are, are lucky to have them as as we move towards a new generation. So they they'll fit in well there with uh, Ninja Theory and Playground Games and all their all their new pals there in the the Microsoft team. So, um, no, I'm I'm excited to see what they do next. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and. I think it's an exciting time for Xbox without knowing too much. That's the thing. And I think this adds to it, uh, really. But um, we've got a bit more news coming out from the... the, the li- Not little brother, but the third brother in, in the console family, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, um, what a switch uh, up to? Not to leave Nintendo out, you know, because we, we never would. Um, report new Switch hardware coming in 2019. This comes from Polygon and Ben Kuchera writes, The Wall Street Journal is reporting that a new version of the popular Nintendo Switch hardware will be arriving next year. Quote, according to suppliers and other with direct, others with direct knowledge of the plan. There are a few other details about what the new hardware revision would improve over the current model. The current model uses a lower-end liquid crystal display without some technologies that are standard in more recent smartphone LCDs, the Wall Street Journal reported. Updating the display with these technologies would make it brighter, thinner, and more energy efficient. The updated switch isn't expected to adopt the organic light-emitting diode or OLED panels used in Apple Inc.'s iPhone X series. And you can read the full story over on Polygon. Um, I mean, no surprise, really. I mean, look at look at Nintendo here. We did their handhelds and you know and and the switch it is a hybrid at the end of the day we've had constant revisions and you know we obviously the new 3ds been the the more recent example so the idea of a a new switch um is no surprise i mean we've had rumors of of a switch xl and of a switch slim you know maybe one that's just primary a handheld so um I think new new uh, skews um, were were inevitable, really. What do, what do you reckon, guy? Yeah, I think it's just natural for a for, con- for creator of consoles now to to have improvements in the general. How how long has Switch been out for? If you know off the top of your head, um, it was last March. So was it March? yeah. I, about about nineteen months ago, yeah, because I think it I think it launched on St. Patrick's Day, if I'm correct. 
Yeah, so yeah, that's interesting. Uh, maybe it's a bit it's a bit sooner than Xbox and PlayStation did with with the uh, Xbox One S and, and the was it I can't remember what the before one was. It Slim or was it Pro? the Pro? Was it Pro? Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it's a it's a bit. It's a bit soon compared to them ones, but I think with Nintendo, they've the Switch is obviously a big gamble because it's it's unlike everything else. It's not just a box like you plug in and play, and it's basically a computer inside, is it? This is this is so unique, and, and if they're going to improve it, whether it's battery life, reliability, I know there's people who complain, some complain about controllers and stuff like that, and I, I don't have much hands-on experience with the Switch, but if they're going to release an updated version this soon on, I think that's just a good thing, and they've they've realised, not realised, but they've upgraded it so quickly that this first year and a half, two years, whatever we're going to call it, um, it it's just it's just good to see that a company's taken note of all the problems and upgraded it rather quickly. And that's not me saying I'd like to see a new Nintendo Switch every two years because that would be kind of stupid. <laughs> yeah. But if they, if they figured out the problems this quickly, I think that's only a good thing. Yeah, no, I, I think an, another important point for me, I think, is is uh, future-proofing. I mean, I've, I've heard the point made, you know, that obviously the Switch gets some kind of ports of from the other consoles and slightly watered down versions or or sometimes we, we they use the option of streaming the game to the system like in the Resident Evil 7 I think in Japan you were able to do that but I mean um obviously when we come to PlayStation 5 and Scarlet as we've already been discussing you know it'll be more difficult to port games from those to to the switch so but if we get a souped up switch you know a, a new switch if they decide to go with that naming scheme again i really hope they don't it's confusing but um <laughs> if they do you know i think it's important that they they kind of just make it that little bit better so that it's able to stream these games easier or or to run watered down versions so i i think that's important and you know Fair play to, to uh, Nintendo for for trying to keep the the uh, the rolling thunder that they have going at the moment with the the, the little console that could. So um, you know it, it'll be interesting to see what the actual changes are. Um, for for now, we can only speculate. But uh, again, it, it was inevitable, uh, like many of the things we've discussed today. So um, yeah, we'll we'll just have to keep an eye on that one for for uh, some actual official confirmation from Nintendo. Um, and then we'll roll on to our final news story today. And this kind of carries on from a news story we had last week. Um, and it reads, The Walking Dead creators company will complete Telltale's the final season with the original dev team. And this comes from Eurogamer. And again, we have Vicky Blake. And she writes, The Walking Dead creator Robert Kirkman's company, Skybound Games, has confirmed it picked up the rights to complete The Walking Dead the final season. Quote, we're so happy to announce that we've reached a deal with Telltale Games that will allow Skybound to continue hashtag The Walking Dead, the final season, end quote, it tweeted. Let's wrap up Clem's story right. More details to come soon. According to Variety, Skybound Games hopes to work with members of the original Telltale team to finish the story, although nothing has been finalized. According to a statement from Skybound to IGN, it is now taken ownership of Telltale's The Walking Dead the final season and will finish the season. Skybound will work with members of the original Telltale team to finish the story in the way the fans deserve. Talking at New York Comic Con, Kirkman expanded on the news telling fans at The Walking Dead panel 
Quote, we've successfully negotiated with Telltale Games for our company Skyband to come in and see season four of the Telltale game to completion, end quote. Just stay tuned. Everybody involved is trying to make sure Clementine's story is told. It's a very for- unfortunate situation, but hopefully we'll come out of it in some kind of positive way. I'm not concerned at the moment with having to tell the story in comic book form because I'm hoping that the games will eventually be completed. Telltale Games laid off the majority of its staff at the end of September, despite assertions that it would, was retaining a skeleton team to keep some production going. They too were reportedly laid off just a few days later. And you can read the full story on Eurogamer. Uh, now, obviously, I'm, I'm not going to say this is a completely positive story because, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, as we said last week, we, we sympathize with them. But at the time, we speculated on a way in which maybe this could be completed um, in the right way. And I think, and, you know, it might not go down well with everyone, but I, I think this was kind of a best case scenario because, you know, we've got it going to the actual company that owned The Walking Dead. You know, I, I think they're going to treat it right. They wouldn't be doing this unless they feel they're giving this the end it deserves and obviously getting the original staff in to, to help them finish the game off, you know, is the right move. At least these people are, you know, the, at least those that, that go into work on it, they're, they're going to get some, some pay at least for, for long, as long as it takes to finish this. And, you know, I, I think again, it, it sucks that these people lost their jobs and that, that telltale went under. But I mean, for the fans, you know, and I'd be count myself as one of them that, that, the Walking Dead was what put Telltale on the map, and and that's the one series that, for me, I've enjoyed the whole way through. So I'm looking forward to this end, and and I think Skybound Games is the right place for for the game to be finished. What do you reckon, guy? Yeah, it definitely sounds like they've they've made an all right they've made an all right end to a horrendous situation, haven't they? Um, as you said, you can't really be overly positive in in such a situation. But yeah, it's it's just good that I'm sure the employees feel the same to a certain degree. It's good for the fans and, and the employees working on it like, that they can at least finish the the journey that is The Walking Dead. And I know there's other um, Telltale games in there that probably wouldn't need to finish in all the had new projects in there. But The Walking Dead, as you said, that's their that's their big one, and, and to finish Clementine's story. Uh, it, it's just it's it's good. That's good at least. Uh, it, it's a horrendous situation, but at least at least it's getting finished, and people won't be asking what ifs and then if it got picked up later on by whoever and not done correctly. So at least it's in the hands of people who care about it. I think that's the best way of putting it. it, it exactly. I mean, like ultimately, you have to take it that. Um it is the company that, that are responsible for the comics and, uh, you know, to, to have even Kirkman himself commenting on the, 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 the situation, you know, that, that's a positive. It's a sign that they're, they're taking the completion of this project seriously. Um, so for me, you know, in, as you put it, a shitty situation, this was the best outcome, at least for the, the fans anyway. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping they, they get this sorted sooner rather than later and, and we get to see how Clem's story ends. And I'm, I'm still holding out for Lee's ghost to, to appear in the final episode. You know, it's, it's probably a long shot, but I'm holding out for it. At least, at least in like a post credit scene, it can be there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's the end of the news, Carl, in what has took up all of the pod. 
but that that's not going to be. We're going to continue for a bit. I mean, if if it goes on too long, I'll just split it into two episodes. Um, but we'll continue. We'll continue, and we'll soldier on. So, Carl, um, it it pretty much dawned us in the, in the last week that we both just finished God of War at, at, at similar times. I mean, we're not going to do a full review because that would take up like an extra hour and a bit. Um, but God of War, obviously famed for, uh, well not famed, preached to be one of the best games of the year, best on this generation. Um, you finished it before me, I believe, but what, what are your overall thoughts on, on, on God of War then? Yeah, I mean, uh, I like I first started the game back in in July, and and kind of since finishing Spider Man, I, I kind of made it my business to try and finish as many games as possible that I'd already started before Red Dead comes out, because you know yep. that'd be the end of everything. And God of War was was one of the first games on on my list. Um, I mean, I, I liked the game back when I, I first started playing it, and I, I don't know how I got waylaid, but I mean, it, it's it's a great game. I mean, the original series, like. I dabbled in them, but I never kind of got too much into it because for me, they, they were to, to be kind of harsh Devil May Cry clones. And I, I thought, I, I thought <laughs> Devil May Cry did, did it better, you know, personally. Mm. But, um, I mean, this, this game is, is kind of reinvented itself. It's, it's taken some cues from kind of your dark souls and that kind of thing. And, and then, it's also taken its story way more seriously. I mean, the, the, the relationship between Kratos and, and Atreus is, is brilliant. I mean, we, we spent a lot of time talking about father son relationships on our Spider-Man review last week. Check that out. You know, shameless plug there. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, the, the relationship between Kratos and, and Atreus is, is great and, and kind of the, the dry humor between, you know, kind of, the, the way Kratos get, goes on, he's just so dry and it, it's just, it, it's, it's quite, I, I found myself chuckling, you know, at quite a few parts when they're kind of talking to each other while rowing around on the boat. And I mean, so I have to credit the, the kind of the, you know, the, the, the story itself. I mean, and, and the story, it's not about, oh, the world's going to end and, you know, we have to save the world and there, there's nothing, there's none of that there. It's simple story about a, a father and a son going to scatter a mother's ashes. I mean, it's, 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 uh, I mean, it, it's brilliant. Like I have to credit them for that. I mean, I really enjoyed, um, the, the characters and, and it just seems weird to be saying that about a God of War game with, with Mr. Angry Kratos, like, but they really humanized them in this game and, you know, throwing his son in there and, you know, even there's some other characters like Freya and, you know, kind of her mother-son strained relationship with Boulder. Mm. And I mean, it, it's just the interactions are brilliant. The, the relationships, I mean, it's similar to, to what we were discussing with Spider-Man. I mean, the relationships are really strong between these characters. And, you know, for, for that to be in a video game is is, is commendable. I mean, what did, what did you think about the story and the, the characters, Guy? Yeah, I think this is... It's probably one of the best games I've played on this gen, to be fair. Um, and I can see, I can see and obviously understand and agree with all the kudos it's getting. Um, and I, I just think it's brilliant because I've seen, I've seen my mate um, play the old God of Wars, and I'm just like, eh, it looks fun, but it's a PlayStation exclusive. I wouldn't be that asked about. 
Um, and obviously, I've I've always had an in, uh, an interest in mythology, North North mythology and, and, and Greek mythology especially. So it's always been one that I've been interested in. But when I watch the gameplays, it's like eh, it's just a bit hack and slash. It, it's not that great. I mean, I could probably watch it on YouTube if anything. But on this one, I mean, it's just such a powerful game in such a simplistic terms. As you said, it's literally just a, it's just <clears throat> a father and son. Going to spread the ashes, as you said. He's just trying to climb a mountain, which sounds easier than it is, <laughs> than it does. Um, but uh, you're just trying to climb a mountain and spread some ashes. But they've spread that over beautifully over how many hours it took. I can't remember because it was just a big, it was just a big haze of greatness and beard. Um, we'll talk about the beard. <laughs> um, but I, I have to do a shout out here. I've asked for a couple on, on, on Twitter, but not only only the person who lent me the game and who obviously showed he showed me God of War the first few as well. Um, he, he's called Rob, and he asked, "What do you think um, it was that made God of War so good?" And he wanted a shout out because I lent because he lent it to me. But I lent him Spider Man so he can shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, a fair trade. Yeah, but what 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 did you think made it so good then? Just in essence, and you can't um, say beard. I mean, well, I've already mentioned the relationships, but another kudos I'm going to throw to it is because, again, I tied in Spider-Man. One of the critiques we had of Spider-Man last week was boss battles. The boss battles weren't great. Mm. The boss battles in God of War are great. They they remind me of what I love in boss battles. I mean, the boss battles with Boulder are just absolutely ridiculous. They mm. are some of the, as I think Greg Miller put it on kind of funny, so I'm going to credit there. It's one of the best superhero fights he's ever seen and and that's what that is every time Kratos and Boulder fight it's just brilliant and like I love those fights and then then even the, the I don't know if you did the, the optional kind of Valkyrie boss fights but they're no, I got battered by one and then went nope <laughs> I, I beat them I beat the queen the queen was quite quite a pain quite a challenge but I beat her and got my last trophy to get the platinum and I mean those fights they're, they're quite a they're really challenging and I, but they're not they're not like they don't dick you you know so they're fair challenging and what she did (laughs) (laughs) they they they, that that can happen but i mean like i just like the boss fights are brilliant and i just like a boss fighter i like to get in and you know that satisfying moment when i beat each valkyrie and and kratos would rip off their wings i mean it was just fantastic and like so while we we kind of had to knock Spider-Man for its boss fights. I I have to credit God of War for for um how it handled boss fights because I I just think they're they're brilliant. I mean, um, what what did you think of the boss fights and and what's your kind of uh, main reason that God of War was so good for you? Yeah, I think this is probably the best boss fights I've ever had in a game. To be honest, I mean, The Witcher had some really good ones with with the monsters and stuff like that. But other than that, I can't really think of anything. I mean, that first one with Boulder, when he, when, when you don't know who he is, and he's called the Mysterious Stranger. I mean, that's probably one of the best sequences I, I've played in a game. It's just, um, it, it's just fantastic. And yeah, boss battle, boss battles are probably one of the best shouts for me. But probably the best thing for me is the simplicity of. Obviously, I mentioned there that there's so much Norse mythology and stuff like that. But there's only like a handful of characters in there. Obviously, you hear about Odin, you hear about Thor. There's obviously seven hundred million gods of whatever. You hear about uh, Tia um, and stuff like that. But the only enemy you have there is really Balder and Thor's two sons. 
So there's so much more scope to go in that game. And that's what they've done with, with minor characters in, in North, uh, um, Norse mythology. It, it's just so much scope for whether it's a sequel, whether it's DLC, whether the weight or whatever. There's just, it, there's just so much more they can add and I really love that. And maybe that, maybe they could see that as a, a negative saying that the holding back in this game, but yeah, I think people would understand that this was probably a gamble for Sony for, was it Santa Monica who made this? Yeah. 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 They've gone, they've completely redeveloped and reinvented a, a quite um, popular series and they made it a serious game from uh, pretty much a hack and slash game and such a big risk and absolutely nailed it. And I'll, I'll, I'll it probably, oh god, I'll, I'll come to it on the rating because that'll give it away, but it's definitely one of the best games I've played on this gen, if not, maybe second place. Yeah, no, I'm I I completely echo that. I, I love the, the the approach they've taken in the story and, and the fact that Thor and Odin are just passed and mentioned in passing because I think it sets up a, a sequel. I think we'll definitely get a sequel. I mean, mm. something in the ending kind of gives away that there's a lot more to tell. But um, I think had we had just a game like oh Odin and Thor and you're fighting Odin and Thor and you kill Odin, it would have been like oh I swear I've played this game before oh wait i have god of war the old one and we kill zeus next, yeah next so, one indian mythology <laughs> it's yeah and, it, and we kill i can't remember the, the, the uh, but you know um it, it's much the same so like uh, it would have just been the same thing and, and that would have totally put me off so i'm glad they took that approach and i commend them them for it um and you know you, you mentioned rating there so I'm going to jump in first and I'm going to say like it's, it's for me, it's a so it's a really, really solid eight out of ten. Oh, what did you give Spider-Man? I think I probably gave it a nine, but you know, I am a Spider-Man fanboy, so no. you have to take that with a pinch of salt. Yeah, I, well, just for comparison's sake, I get, we'll, we'll have to record these, I'll have to write them down somewhere. Uh, but for argument's sake, I give Spider-Man an 8, and I'm gonna give this a 9. And I'll explain Whoa. why. I, it could, I don't think it could be lower, cause as I said, it's probably one of the best games I've played on this, or, on this gen. And I, I could give it a 10 because I think, it's not as good as The Witcher, and that would get a 10 from me. Um, and I would give it a 9.5, but because I haven't had chance to explore all the side stuff, as I said, I, I tried the Valkyrie, but I was just trying to get through the story, because as I said, I'm lending this off my mate, and he, he wants it back, understandably so, after playing it. Um, so maybe if I had more time with it, I'd, I'd probably go up to a 9.5. But for me, a, a 9 for one of the best games I've played in the in well a good few years i think that's it's more than fair and if if i get more time with it i'll i'll, I'll go on to see what uh valkyries like more dragons and stuff like that and more of the side stuff but yeah a nine from me no it's it's it certainly is i wouldn't argue that it is one of the the best games of the generation so far um and um but but Moving on, um what else have you been playing lately guy because I, I believe you've been playing a, another big game lately yeah busy boy at the minute i mean it, it was kind of unexpected my mate who i game share with um bought us assassin's creed odyssey and i was like i'm gonna have to rush god of war even more now <laughs> <laughs> uh, but 
Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not sure how many hours into it. I think I must be tenish uh, about that. And yeah, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I'm not sure if it's it's kind of similar to Origins, and I think it's in a better world than Origins. Um, I'm playing as the lad, which is called Alexios, and people keep telling me that the game's better when you play as the last, so that might be the only criticism I've came across so far. I mean, obviously Assassin's Creed has its usual Ubisoft bugs, um, and horses that start swimming in sand and stuff like that, <laughs> uh, that everyone's seen, but um, the only criticism so far for me is that I'm playing as Alexios, who's obviously the lad, and he's just not as good as Bayek was, uh, and nowhere near he was for Origins, so maybe I have to go back and play as Cassandra, who got I, last. Yeah, that that is a, a criticism I heard, that the voice acting for, for both Alexios and Cassandra, but people say Cassandra's kind of the less the lesser of two evils and mm. um, that that is something I, i've heard um i mean I, I i have some i haven't played it myself yet my, my brother seems to be playing it like 90 percent of his time right now but i haven't haven't had a chance myself but so i have, I have some some questions based on on some criticisms i i have heard i mean um Jim Sterling, as, as I'm sure a lot of people think, gave a kind of a bit of a scathing review and kind of indicated he's probably going to include it in his shittiest games of the year because Ooh. he's hypercritical of the, the, uh, the microtransactions. Um, you know, and the, the idea that's like they're kind of trying to goad you to, to pay, um, to, to kind of avoid the grind. You know, ha- have you came across any kind of grindy, moments within the game where, where you kind of feel it's it's been dragged out a bit and you know or has has that been an issue at all for you i think for me i'm too early in into the game to to experience a grind because i'll make a comparison here i'm not sure if you've played it but um shadow of war or mod mod or both of them uh, i played uh, the first one yeah yeah, it's kind of got similarities with the second one. Um, obviously, they added in conquests and big wars and stuff like that. Yeah. And Assassin's Creed kind of done the same. I think we mentioned it in one of our in one of our news pieces that they were suing that the, one of them was suing them because uh, Warner Brothers had kind of copied Assassin's Creed climbing system and other stuff like that. Assassin's Creed hasn't. I don't think they've sued them, but they've just gone. Oh, we'll just copy you because all they've done is copy. Um, not the ally system, but they've copied the conquest system where there's a big war. They've copied um, all the abilities where you can like teleport with a spear and stuff like that. Yeah. It's just... Um, yeah, it's kind of took the best out of um, Shadow of War and um, added it to Assassin's Creed, which isn't a bad thing, but um, Shadow of War definitely had um, uh, what, microtransaction problems and it was... There was like a secret ending that took loads of microtransactions and stuff like that. So hopefully, once we get towards the end game, I don't experience that. But for me, I don't mind a bit of grind, a grinding game. That was going to sound really weird. With <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind a bit of grinding. <laughs> Nor do I. I mean, yeah. like. To me, when I get into one of those big open world games, I want to do everything, so I'm gonna end yeah. up getting to the highest level, and you know, so so I'd never even really bother looking at that, and I never look at the, the kind of storefronts for those games anyway, so I never yeah, have a clue as, what's as in them. As, as long as stuff isn't behind an actual paywall, it's all right with me. I don't mind working at World Summit. 
Or it, if not, I'll just YouTube it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like, I don't, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I respect Jim Sterling. He's one of my favorite content creators and, and I do think he highlights, highlights some, a lot of shitty practices by, uh, developers and publishers, but this is one I, I just wouldn't knock. I mean, the, the options there, if you, if you want to buy the shortcuts, they can, people can buy them. If, if you want to just grind, you can grind. If, if you don't, then I'm not sure, if you don't want to do either, I'm not sure why you're playing this game. It's just obviously play a different game, maybe a more linear, shorter game. Um, so, you know, it, it's not an issue to me, um, based on, on what I know anyway. Obviously, I haven't played the game. Um, but, I mean, yeah, so, so you, you said you're, you're still kind of early doors on this. Yeah. Um, so it, it may be one certainly that we'll have to get your, your kind of more in-depth impressions when, when you've actually finished it all. But, but so far, you, you are enjoying what, what, what you've experienced. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think they've added in um, parts of Black Flag as well because there's, there's more stuff to do with um, ship combat and stuff like that. So that that's a that's a plus for me. And just for argument's sake, I've got Metacritic open in front of me, and it's got an 87 at the minute. So it's not it's not uh, cream of the crop, obviously, but it's it's definitely a good score for Assassin's Creed, I'd reckon. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um the, the only ones that are probably higher would have been kind of. Assassin's Creed 2 and Assassin's Maybe Creed 2.1 as I like yeah. to call it. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it's, I'm, and positive. Yeah, like, but it's up there. Like, it's, it's definitely that the series, the, it was a good decision to take the two years off to work on Origins and a new kind of game engine. And, you know, we, we've now, they brought that over to Odyssey, made some, some slight improvements and inevitably let, let's put it out there right now. 2019. Actually, we're going to be playing an Assassin's Creed Rome game on, on this engine. Like, I think it's the most oh, inevitable God. thing in, in, in video games. So, um, I, I like the direction they're, they're taking, um, on, on what I've seen. So, I mean, and I'm going to play Odyssey. Don't get me wrong. I will get around to it. I just don't want to start it right now because I just know I'd be playing it and then Red Dead would come out and it'd just be there onto the wayside. And it's hard. I've noticed lately with these ga- all these games I've been coming back to after like a big gap. It's really hard to come back to a game. So I don't want to do that again. So, um, but, but I will. I'm excited to play Odyssey when I, when I finally manage to fit it in. Mm. I actually got that rating wrong for uh, for Metacritic, but I, 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 just for argument's sake, again, um, this might be quite interesting. Um, the Metascore for Odyssey is 83, and I found the Origins one, and that's got 81. But the user score for Origins is 7.2, and the user score for Odyssey so far is 5.8, so, you know, <laughs> maybe yeah. it's not attracting all the right love. Possibly, uh, user scores are a bit kind of iffy, you know, because you know anyone can vote. It's hard right. to say if people have even played the game, you know. It's just EA. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's just people at EA putting it down. <laughs> just you just don't know. So, um, but I mean, certainly it's critically. I'm I'm hearing great things. I mean, some people have some people are arguing, and there were arguments last year for um Origins being game of the year by some people in in the mm. media, but. I've already, yeah. I've already heard that for, for Odyssey. So, I mean, it, it's only positives. I mean, except for the, obviously the microtransaction criticism. But as I said, I, I just, I don't, I don't buy into that. Um, yeah. So, but, but we'll definitely, I'll, I'll definitely be, make sure to make a mental note to revisit this maybe, maybe next week. Um, to just see where, how 
how much more you've played and, and kind of if, if your impressions have changed and what else you, you kind of think about the game. Um, have you played anything else? Kind of any, anything? You haven't got Call of Duty yet or? I, I have, but I haven't been on the actual game yet. I've been on, I played the beta for both, um, Blackout, which is the Battle Royale, and I played the multiplayer beta, which were both a couple of months ago now. Um, yeah, I remember we, it's fun. we discussed it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you, you were quite excited for this one. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, my expectations and uh, love for the Call of Duty franchise has gone downhill quite a lot since, like, Modern Warfare 2. But this one, just playing the betas, I mean, the Battle Royale is really fun. It's like a good version of PUBG, um, which is very harsh on PUBG, but let's be honest. Um and the multiplayer was fun, albeit a tad frustrating at times because there's that new. Maybe it's just me getting old at the age of 24, and then there's all these these new ge- new generation of gamers who are just faster and better at the game than me. So I, I quite like I, I, the battle royale is definitely going to be a success in my opinion, and the multiplayer might not be everyone's cup of tea, but I think it's probably the best of recent times, and it's going to be better than the 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 uh, World War Two one because that was awful. That's probably the best way of putting it. But have you have you been playing anything, Carl? Um, yeah, I've, I've actually, as I said, I've been trying desperately to to finish as many games as possible before Red Dead. So I have a, a few kind of slight impressions on on some kind of older games I've managed to finish off. Obviously, last week I mentioned I've been playing Hellblade. Um, I gave my impressions kind of on mm. that at the time, but I, I've since finished it, and I have to say, you know, that was a great little game. You know, very very kind of linear, contained experience, and but it, it's quite unique. I mean, the, as I said last week, the sound design is is excellent. Um, and I really like what Ninja Theory did with that, and it has me excited to see what they do now under under the the new their new home at Microsoft, um, and what they have planned for for the next generation Xbox. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, so that's a great game, and again, I'd recommend it to anyone who hasn't played it. It only takes about maybe maybe five hours or something to finish and all five six hours um but it's a great little experience of a game um something else i finished obviously earlier we were talking about telltale i finally went back forced myself to go back to finish guardians of the galaxy because you know as i think i talked about this way back when when i I first started playing it and i it wasn't great it was probably one of the weaker telltale titles i played and Mm. i wasn't getting into it but i have to say it gets better as it goes on the last three episodes are a lot better than the the first two there's some some funny moments uh the music as i've said all along is brilliant i mean it's just just like the movies the soundtrack is is class i mean the, the title song is uh living things by electric light orchestra and really creepy like yesterday like my throwback thursday list included that song and i'd never listened to it on spotify before it's like i it knew i just completed the game <laughs> i swear spotify just knows things but uh the music's excellent there's some good comedy like you'd expect in a telltale there, there's some some good performances in there i mean nolan north um is, as people will know as as drake from the uncharted series is brilliant as rocket raccoon like he, he's 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 class, like he steals the show. Um, and you know, it, it's, there's some good group moments in there. And I mean, it's, it's still probably one of the weaker Telltale games, but it's better than I thought it was. You know, it's, 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 it's definitely got its moments. Um, so that, that, that was, um, 
you know, kind of a thing to Telltale. I've also started Telltale's Batman, um, but I, I'm not too far into that, so mm. don't have any impressions as yet. Uh, another game I finished, another big Sony exclusive, and I'm sure there's people are going to be thinking, how the hell didn't you finish that game years ago? But um, was Until Dawn, um, which is a... Did you play that guy? Um, I do not watch horror films, so no. <laughs> I'm not really a fan of films, but I enjoy horror games, and Until Dawn is brilliant. I mean, it's just the, the storytelling, the visuals, the, it's just, it is brilliant. And, you know, it's, it, it, it definitely has its jump scares in there, but it's just, it's such a good story, and the way your, your decisions kind of impact, you know, everyone can die or no one can die. Like, that's, that's how much the decisions impacted, and it's just a great game. And, and they have another horror game on the way, I think, next year. That it's oh, actually, I've, seen, I've just, seen that. Yeah. yeah, the start of an anthology there. I think uh, Bandai Namco are, are publishing their, their new series of games. So I'm so excited for those because, you know, I didn't like how after Until Dawn, Sony suddenly had them making this, this VR game and then this another VR game and this kind of little game that tied in smartphones. It's like, just give us another Until Dawn and hopefully that's what they're doing now with the Bandai Namco contracts. I'm really excited for that. Anyone who hasn't played Until Dawn, play it. Um, and yeah, so they're, they're the, the other games I've been playing lately. And I have to say, you know, to varying degrees, I'd, I'd recommend them if, if they're kind of within people's tastes. Mm. No, good stuff, good stuff. I, I think we'll finish up there, Carl, but I think it's been a, a good long pod, but excited for the next week with obviously the big boy. Yeah, no, I, I just I can't wait to, to kind of get discussing Red Dead. I mean, I think every day we spark up some sort of Rockstar-related discussion on, on our... Um, our WhatsApp group, so I think it'll all come to a head with the, the preview pod next week. And then the week after, nobody will talk because they'll all be cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, like the WhatsApp group will just, just the tumbleweed will roll, roll through. <laughs> um, yeah, but like, I mean, it, it was, um, it was good. Funny, we had a lot of news today and we had a lot of new games to discuss. I mean, obviously Assassin's Creed and, and, uh, is a massive game in it, its own right. And it's just unfortunate for it that, that Red Dead is, is out at the, a similar time. Yep. Um, but actually, just, just um, before I finish up, I just want to um, kind of plug uh, something for for someone else. Yeah. Um, our friends, obviously, um, they we well, frenemies, let's call them, because they they betrayed us. You know, they they went to start their own franchise. But uh, <laughs> Stu and Rory, um, you know, they've they've launched uh, Let's Talk, um, which what's their Twitter again, guy? Um, oh god, it's like let's it, underscore talk pod. It is. Like oh, that. I have it there. It is at let's underscore talk underscore pods. And really right. Today they just released their second episode, which is gaming centric. Hence why I'm plugging it here. And it's actually they discuss um their favorite ten. Well, Rory has ten favorite Mega Drive games. Stu has ten favorite. SNES games, they kind of a bit of a back and forth, and then there's a fan poll on their Twitter account to decide which console was the best. Spoilers, it's probably going to be the SNES, but Rory puts in a valiant I, effort. I, I'm team Rory on this one. Oh, oh, maybe we'll have to have a debate of our own sometime, guys. Like, it's, like, it's like, oh god, no. I was, like, <laughs> I was like four when I played Mega Drive, so it'd just be Echo the Dolphin for an hour. <laughs> 
but uh, but uh, no, I've I've listened to myself. It's a it's a good um podcast. So um just just a plug for them. Check it out if that that's your kind of thing. They 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 cover movies and comics and stuff as well. So there's there's definitely a lot of variety there. So check them out. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't couldn't uh, recommend them too enough. Obviously, they were AI comic pod and they've gone to do their own thing. And th- yeah, both of them uh, great lads. Absolute great lads, and Team Rory because Mega Drive kicks ass. And I'm going to finish up there. <laughs> but thanks for joining me, Carl, and thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.